Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, September 27, 2012. We are reading from the big book, and we are in more about alcoholism, beginning on page 33 with a paragraph that begins, Young People May Be Encouraged. The reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, September 26, 2012, was 3069. The reference for yesterday, 3069. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. Janice, you'll need to press star one to unmute. Leah, she's been dropped. Okay. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our and back, Go right ahead. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Garini to please read the 12 steps for us. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him, to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irene. And now I would like to ask Margaret H. to please read the 12 traditions for us. Good morning. My name is Margaret H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Illinois. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I thank you for the opportunity to read these 12 traditions. I pass. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you very much. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speaker, should be muted. Today we are resuming our study of the big book in the chapter more about alcoholism on page 33, and we'll begin today with the paragraph, Young People May Be Encouraged. And I would like to ask Esther to please read that for us. Good morning. My name is Esther, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think that they can stop, as he did, on their own willpower. 
We doubt if many of them could do it because none will really want to stop and hardly one of them, because of the peculiar mental twist already acquired, will find that he could win out. Several of our crowd, men of 30 or less, had been drinking only a few years. They found themselves as helpless as those who had been drinking 20 years. So I completely agree with this paragraph because I was also quite young when I realized I had a problem with food. I was the ripe age of 18 when I realized that I had a problem with food that went beyond knowing what the food groups are or figuring out a diet. I knew that there was something I had with food that wasn't quite right. And like this paragraph says, I could not stop. Why? Because, because A, none will really want to stop eating. I didn't really want to stop eating. I got at that point pleasure from eating. And also I was yet to um, create a lot of the havoc and destruction, you know, in my life. So I didn't think it was such a big problem. And, and also because of the peculiar mental twist that they're describing here, even the times where I wanted to stop, I really couldn't stop for long because um, this me- peculiar mental twist, which is referring to the mental obsession, that always crept up. So I could put the food down for a little while, certainly not like the paragraph earlier, the man who put it down for 25 years. I couldn't even put it down for 25 days. But even when I tried to put it down, I wasn't able to keep it down because of a peculiar mental twist. So um, this, this paragraph, what it's describing is something that I could relate to because as a young person, I, I hadn't come to my knees yet. Um, hadn't hadn't destroyed quite enough yet before I was willing to um, admit that I had a problem and to and to seek out a solution. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Would anyone like to share on what was read? Press star one to unmute. I get this from New York. Go ahead. And your name is? Gittel. Gittel from New York. Gittel. Uh, Go ahead. I came into the program at the beautiful age of 20, and I am blessed that I stayed in the program since then. I, I've i been blessed. That's just how I see it, with the, with the clear knowledge that I cannot live like this, and even after a relapse, after five months of abstinence, that uh, took me about two months to get back on. I saw that I could not live like this, that I had to do the program, whatever it took, and it took me a couple of years to get sane uh, around the food. And I'm, uh, that's the only thing I can say, is I'm blessed. And, uh, I w- you know, and many people come with the program and say, I wish I came in at the... At the early age, but we all have a time, and um, God is in charge, and so that is um, that is what uh, what we all learn after we come. But we have to come into recovery, and and really come into touch with the real with the higher power, and get to the point of trust that it it has to be at the everything that happened to us was at the right time. This I pass. Get us from New York. Thanks. Mm, thank you, Gita, very much, very much. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? Please press star one to unmute. 
This is Katie. Go ahead, Katie. Hi, I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater. And I uh, I can relate to this um, because I was very young when I found out about this program. Um, I was 14 when I went to my first meeting. But I was like, um, I was in this beginning part where I thought, oh, come on, you know, who needs all that? I don't need to, you know, I just had this little food problem. So I, I had to... Uh, to really develop that mental twist um, for seven more years before I came to OA again, and then even six more years in the room before I was um, uh, twisted enough to surrender. And so it doesn't, you know, these numbers, these ages, um, we don't have to wait until we're 50 or 60 or 40 or 30 to uh, find recovery. It's it's how much uh, mental torture we can take. And I'm grateful that, um, you know, that I did find recovery at such a young age. But, you know, I missed out on my whole uh, teenage years and, and 20s because I was um, lost in this disease. And, uh, but uh, it's finding ourselves helpless. That's what we need to do is to realize how helpless we are and then, you know, surrender to this program. That'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Katie. Thank you very much. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sarah. Can I share? Go ahead, Sarah. Good morning. This is Sarah, compulsive overeater from New York. Um, Young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think that they can stop as he did on their own willpower. We doubt if many of them can do it because... None will really want to stop, and hardly one of them, because of the peculiar mentor twist already acquired, will find he can win out. So it's like a battle between my will, my own willpower, and this peculiar mental twist, which will battle me and will show me how powerless I really am. And it's that obsession of the mind that that wins out eventually. And, you know, I was, um, my experience in... You know, I wanted to lose. I wanted to lose the obsession. I wanted to lose the weight, and I was in program about 11 years ago. And um, I wanted, I wanted to be able, on my own willpower, to be able to do this. And um, none will really want to stop because that peculiar mental twist, that obsession of the mind, just that craving that I must have it, I must have it, wins out and it won out for years until I came back in um, just over five years ago, five and a half years ago. And I'm so grateful that that recognition, it says, if we're planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol, to my binge foods. I had to... um, concede to my innermost self that that I'm a compulsive overeater and that if I'm going to eat those foods that are going to trigger that craving and that mental obsession, I could die. I could die. This man was dead within four years. Within four years. And, you know, that's a disease. You can have abstinence for such a long period of time, but the disease, that mental obsession that 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 once you're dead, that once you're dead, 
or suffering in a deep way is growing, is growing and is growing and is growing. And unless I pick up this spiritual, unless I pick up every single day and work the spiritual solution and the spiritual toolkit that's before me, and I and I recognize on the deepest level that I I'm not I'm not like other men. I've, I like I lost my legs. This is my reality, and unless I accept that reality on such a deep level, I may think I want to stop, but my own willpower is not powerful enough to allow me to really stop. I may want to stop on some level, but the obsession is so great that it, that I don't really want to stop. I want to be like other men. I want to be normal, and I have to recognize that my my um, that my mind is not normal. It's not normal like the average person, and I have to recognize this on such a deep level in order to pick up the rest of the spiritual toolkit of those steps and do them and live them and and have real recovery and win out and win out and um and i and I know I know that there's no other way there's just no other way so um with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Victoria. Go ahead, Ms. Victoria. I Reading this, again, really caused me to reflect back when I started recovery, when I finally reached that point of willingness. Did I consciously want to stop? Um, did I want to give up the binge foods that had really become the center of my existence and the reason for my living? And the truth is, I didn't. I didn't get to a point where I said, "I'm giving up all this food." Um, the only thing in life that matters to me more than anything else, which the food did. What happened is that the damage produced in my inner life and in my external world from my compulsive eating became so unendurable. The torture, the demoralization, the absolute despair, it felt like walking through a battlefield um, because I was at war with everything and everyone and most of all myself it was my inner life became so painful that I couldn't bear it anymore and it has the 12 and 12 says at some point you know pain becomes the touchstone for spiritual growth and that was really true for me that pain became bigger than my desire to keep having my drug of choice, which was food. The pain got bigger than the desire for the food, and that's when I was really ready to stop, to put it down, 
um, and to reach for a higher power. And I believe it was at that moment of reaching for the higher power that I found a way out of this crazy thinking, the, the mental obsession that had me, held me hostage. You know, I reached, I reached. This is hell. I cannot live in hell another moment. I am willing. God, whatever power is out there, help me. And there were people around to take my hand and show me what living in recovery looked like. Um, so that was my journey. I'll pass. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you very much. This is Janice, and I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'd like to share a bit on this passage as well. You know, here we're talking about young people coming in and what these first recovered alcoholics saw about those young people coming in. And it says that young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think that they can stop, as he did, on their own willpower. But we doubt if many of them can do it for two reasons. First, because none of them will really want to stop. And two, because of the peculiar mental twist already acquired. Already acquired that will make them unable to stop. And you know that, that, that idea, that lurking notion that someday we'll be immune, that we'll be able to resist, that we'll be safe, from the mental obsession and the physical allergy, you know, that's the delusion that had to be smashed in me, in me. And when a young person comes in, you know, they saw perhaps they hadn't had enough consequences yet to make them really want to stop. Maybe they hadn't gone quite as far down as they saw other people, and so they were not quite sure if they'd gone down far enough to have to stop. But the peculiar mental twist already acquired ensured that they would not be able to stop. And I don't know if you're a compulsive overeater like me. You know, we can only diagnose ourselves. But what I know to be true is once I acquired that peculiar mental twist, that obsession of my mind, there was no turning back. There was no turning back and there was no willpower enough in me to fight against that. That insane idea would win out again and again and again. Because even when I put down the food, even in those periods of abstinence, that was the greater aspect of the disease. That chatter in my head. You know, the chatter in my head that said, I cannot live like this. I have to pick up that first bite. And this time it'll be different. This time it's a good idea even though it's never been a good idea in my experience in the past, this time it'll be a good idea. And just to quiet that chatter in my head, I would eventually pick up that bite. And then the phenomenon of craving would kick in that could never be satiated. It would always be with me. So I'm really grateful that we had young people coming in, that we have young people coming into our rooms that have realized this about themselves and are holding on to the solution. Because it is a beautiful thing to find recovery, no matter what age we are. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment before we move on? This is Leah. Good morning. Go ahead, Ms. Leah. 
Hey, Janice. Good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive reader. I, too, would like to comment on this sentence since I was a young person. It says, we doubt if many of them can do it because none will really want to stop. And hardly one of them, because of the peculiar mental twist already acquired, will find he can win out. This peculiar mental twist already acquired that the big book is talking about is that obsession of the mind, that greater aspect of my disease. Uh, The obsession of the mind is an idea that overcomes all ideas to the contrary. (laughs) And it doesn't make any difference how badly, didn't make any difference how badly I wanted to stop compulsive overeating. It didn't really make any difference how hard I used my willpower. I could not win out. And, you know, this statement speaks to that insidious nature of compulsive overeating, that I was well in its grip. I was well in the disease's grip way before the nature of this disease was truly revealed to me. You know, those chains of compulsive overeating were too soft to be felt until they were way too hard to be broken. I was already in bondage. You know how they talk about, you know, once that cucumber has become pickled, you know, once a cucumber becomes a pickle, there's no there's no uh, reversing that process. There's no becoming a cucumber again. You can't reverse the brining process. So um, I was well in its grip, and I could not win out. Anything I threw, every time I got into the boxing ring um, and tried to conquer that obsession of the mind, you know, I tried to conquer the obsession of the mind with my inner strength. I tried to conquer the obsession of the mind with my willpower. I tried to conquer the obsession of the mind with my determination. I tried to conquer the obsession of the mind with different remedies and different methods and and human creations like physicians and psychiatrists and, you know, sponsors and those kind of things. Anything I threw at the obsession of the mind um, was conquered by the obsession of the mind. You know, the only thing that can conquer the obsession of the mind is this spiritual awakening. I could not transcend the intellect by using the intellect. I had to, uh, you know, um, have a spiritual experience, a spiritual awakening in order to be transformed. That's the only thing. Only God could uh, conquer the obsession of the mind because he created my mind. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment before we move on? All right, I'm going to ask Deb W. to please read the next paragraph for us. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Deb. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Michigan. To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time, nor take the quantities some of us have. This is particularly true of women. Potential female alcoholics often turn into the real thing and are gone beyond recall in a few years. Certain drinkers, who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics, are astonished at their inability to stop. We who are familiar with the symptoms see large numbers of potential alcoholics among young people everywhere, but try and get them to see it. There's an asterisk there. I'm going to stop there, but the asterisk says true when this book was first published, but a 2003 U.S.-Canada membership survey showed about one-twelfth of AAs were 30 and under. I'd like to comment on this. Um, 
to be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take the quantities some of us have. You know, I, reflecting back on my history, um, once this disease took its grip on me, it had me. So it doesn't matter how long um, I had been a compulsive overeater. You know, again, we're talking about uh, step two here, this obsession of the mind. Um, step two is required because we are insane. And that insanity that the big book talks about is what happens before I pick up. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Deb. Would anyone like to comment on what was read? Press star one to unmute. Hi, this is Kim. Go ahead, Miss Kim. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take the quantities some of us have. And this is just letting us know that we don't don't identify yourself out. You know, well, I haven't been, you know, my compulsive eating hasn't lasted as long as theirs. You know, I don't drink, I don't eat in the quantities that other people eat, so therefore I'm different, therefore I'm different. But what does it mean to be gravely affected? Gravely affected. It means we have the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. And I've often heard that compulsive overeating is suicide and the layaway plan. That, you know, our death certificate will not say compulsive overeating. It might say stroke. It might say heart attack. It might say a variety of different things because we're killing ourselves with the food. You know, I have been all over the the scale with this um, this disease. You know, when I was a size 24, you know, my knees were bad, I had high blood pressure, and I was only 23. You know, and then when I when I got to the point where I just knew that it was about that first fight and I started my self-count of size 2, my menstrual cycle stopped. And my iron was so low, I was almost passing out. You know, and then when I figured, well, let me try bulimia. And I was an average size, but the, the stomach distress and all the different symptoms of that, and my teeth were getting bad and all the throwing up. And, you know, that we are gravely affected. And so much we concentrate on the symptoms. We concentrate on why we, we haven't done that yet. You know, if I'm only 50 pounds overweight, then it's not as bad. If I'm only 20 pounds underweight, it's not as bad. You know, we are gravely affected. This disease, if we have it, and we have to, we have to know if we have it, if we have that obsession of the, of the, of the mind, if we have this allergy of the body, we are gravely affected, and whether it takes us quickly or whether it takes us slowly, the disease will take us. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, Ilana in New York. Go ahead. Hi, this is Ilana in California. I keep forgetting where I live. Um, grateful recovering compulsive overeater. I can't say I'm yet recovered. Um, but what really hit me is I often think, you know, like I, when I came into the program and got at a fairly young age, 27, um, I wasn't all that fat, maybe 30 pounds overweight. You know, size 12 was probably the biggest I got, but it didn't matter the size, you know, like the, and it didn't matter the age, no matter how long and to what depths I, I ate. Um, I was crazy, and I was definitely gravely affected. 
and you know, for me, gravely affected. Also, yeah, for sure, it was the the allergy of the mind obsession, or the allergy of the body obsession of the mind. It was also the fact that I was so busy eating the food because I couldn't stop for a second, especially in the car, one of my favorite places to eat, where I was alone and nobody could see me. Um, having to get that thing that I just bought and almost getting into a car crash, you know, that's pretty pretty great. <laughs> um, so yeah, I hadn't gotten to the point yet where I was diabetic or had blood pressure or any of those things um, because I was pretty young, but I was doing really insane things. And I think I can remember at the age of 11, maybe even, yeah, 11 was the first time I really remember not being able to stop, saying I'm only going to take a little bit and then I'm going to put it back and and then going back and then going back again and going back again until it was all gone, 11, pretty young. Um <laughs> thinking about all the times in high school and everything and going back for more and then going back for something else and something else and something else is going to be the thing that's going to finally fill me up and then I won't have to eat anymore and I have absolutely no idea what was wrong with me and thinking it was a weight issue, not you know, not really getting that the kind of behaviors I was doing were pretty crazy and wanting to take a spoon and dig the fat out of my body. That was my best thinking. I just didn't do that, but... Um, trying to be bulimic and not being able to, trying to exercise a lot, but never really having the discipline to keep that up long term. And just the insanity at such a young age that this disease brought me to and how grateful I am. You know, even in hearing about the solution maybe two or three years before I came in, but I guess the previous paragraph said, not, not ready, not willing, not able to hear it. I'm grateful that I did come in so young and, um, you know, pray one day at a time to stay here. And then very early in the morning in California time, I often don't listen to this meeting recorded, but it's nice to be here in person. And thank you for letting me share. I'll pass with that. Mm, thank you, Alana. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula Marcia. Go ahead, Ms. Paula. Thank you, and thank you for your service yet again. You know, I'm going to go to this line. Oh, I fit so well in this line. Certain drinkers, may I say right here I was one, who would be greatly insulted. Oh, my God. If if called alcoholics. I tell you, now, you know, to insult is an an unkind or rude remark. How could anybody suggest or think that I could be an alcoholic. Now, just like I look like one, I act like one, my moods are up and down, which match my weight, why would you ever think that? And why would I ever think not? There, the mental twist, the insanity. I mean, I was actually insulted. Like, what are they thinking? What was I thinking? You know what I was thinking. Our astonished. Now, this is another word. Look at that, dear. Utterly insulted. Wait a minute. I was astonished at the inability to stop. Even with that. Even with that. Well, no, that's not me. But yet, how can this be day after day? The inability. They couldn't stop. Now, there is a insanity in one sentence. Thank you. And in one alcoholic mind. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. 
Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Well, this is Janice, and I'd like to uh, I'd like to say something about this paragraph as well. As well, you know, certain drinkers who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics are astonished at their inability to stop. You know, this is a disease that, as a young person, as a young person, I knew there was something wrong with me and how I dealt with food. But what was I going to do about it? Well, I was going to deny and resist and defy to the best of my ability that knowledge that there was something wrong with me, that there was something wrong with me. And we know that this was put into the big book to help us identify. No matter where, what age we are, no matter where we are in the disease, there are ways for us to identify in, you know, and the insanity of what was happening to me was when I was abstinent, when I was stone cold abstinent. You know, I remember being in college and it was a huge campus, but I knew where all the vending machines and the little cafeterias tucked into different buildings. I had my route. I knew where all of those places were because I knew I'd have to get my fix. I knew that I couldn't last through the day without finding those places and getting a little respite from what was going on. And that's when I knew that there was, I was gravely affected by the disease already. I had that peculiar mental twist, but I would have been really insulted at that point in time if someone had called me a compulsive overeater. Because I thought somehow, someday, I could get the upper hand on this thing, but I could not. But I could not. So it's really good to know that no matter what age we come in, whether we've been gravely affected as yet or not, whether we've had to compulsively overeat for a long time or take the quantity some people have, it doesn't matter. You know, we stop, we, we stop digging the hole. We stop digging when we realize that there is no longer any lurking notion that I can do this thing by myself when I identify in and see myself clearly. But we can't try and get someone else to see who they are and what they're up against. They have to see that for themselves. And that's a great thing. It's a great thing to identify ourselves. And with that, I'll pass. And I would like to ask Esther to please read the next paragraph for us. Oh, I'm sorry. Have we done Katie yet? I think it's Katie. As we look back. Yes, it is. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. This is Katie. Okay. I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater. As we look back, we feel we had gone on drinking many years beyond the point where we could quit on our willpower. If anyone questions whether he has entered this dangerous area, let him try leaving liquor alone for one year. If he is a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there is scant chance of success. In the early days of our drinking, we occasionally remained sober for a year or more, becoming serious drinkers again later. Though you may be able to stop for a considerable period, you may yet be a potential alcoholic. 
think few to whom this book will appeal can stay dry anything like a year. Some will be drunk the day after making their resolutions, most of them within a few weeks. And I tried all of this experimentation in the room of OA. I tried to, uh, I thought that after a period of absence, I would be able to, um, to eat. And then with all the knowledge I had about the program, when I decided that I, oh no, I really do want to be abstinent. So, you know, let me get abstinent again because I'm so smart and I know all this stuff. And then I couldn't even make it till 10 o'clock in the morning. So this is showing us the progressive nature of the disease. And I mean, I really, I don't think that there was ever a time for me that I could um, stay away for a year. Um, or this part where it talks about um, about our own willpower. I mean, I guess I did have some semblance of willpower because I would lose weight and diet did work for, you know, a while. But the progression of my disease that was that diet stopped working and nothing worked. Um, the mental twist uh, took over my my best thoughts, my best efforts got me to 190 plus pounds. My best thinking, all the knowledge and all the um, information I had was not enough. I had this mental twist and this spiritual sickness that uh, progressed and progressed and progressed. And I can't imagine where it would be today um, if I were to pick up the food. And I trust and believe this is a progressive disease. And that if I were to pick up the food today, it would be exponentially worse than it was 25 years ago um, when I surrendered to this program. So uh, I don't, I'm grateful for that memory, to remember what it was like uh, to be unable to get up in the morning and say, oh, I'm not doing that again. And by 10 o'clock, be banging my hand on the counter saying, what am I doing? What am I doing? I can't stop. Um, so I'm very grateful that uh, we're all here and we don't have to keep living that lie that tells us that today will be different, that I will have the willpower, that I will somehow lick this thing because I can't. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim, and then Paula. Thanks, Janice. Uh, We think few to whom this book will appeal can stay dry anything like a year. Some will be drunk the day after making the resolutions, most of them within a few weeks. So what what is this testing? You know, on page 30, they invited, told us to go back into our kitchens and try try to eat and stop abruptly, which was testing the allergy of the body. What they're saying now is test the obsession of the mind. Let's say you can put down the food for a period of time. The allergy isn't being triggered. But is that mental obsession there? Is that mental obsession there that's going to tell you to go back to the food, back to the food, back to the food? So they're saying here, to whom this book will appeal? You know, if you don't have this problem and you read Bill's story, it's a very interesting story about a stockbroker for the 1930s. You know, but if you have this problem, 
you're going to see the progression of that disease and you're going to be like, oh, I, I ate like that. Oh, I remember that feeling. I remember the hopelessness and the, and the desperation. So this book is going to appeal for those of us who have this problem. You know, and, and someone will be drunk the day after making the resolution. And that's because this disease is progressive. So maybe when we were younger, we could stay dry. And it's not saying recovered, it's saying dry. Maybe we could stay dry for a long period of time. You know, you wanted to go to the prom in high school and you could lose some weight. You know, you wanted to be thin for your college graduation. You wanted to be thin for your, your wedding and maybe your high school reunion. And you could stay, stay dry for periods. But as this disease progresses and as that mental twist gets stronger and stronger and stronger, we're not going to be able to keep the resolutions we did before. But we keep thinking, well, I could do it before. Maybe I can do it again. You know, so this is talking about the greater aspect of our disease. This is testing that greater aspect. We tested in the kitchen. We tried to eat and stop abruptly, and we couldn't. And now they're saying, test this mental obsession. And if you have this mental obsession and this book appeals to you because I drank like that, I ate like that, I want what you have, then start applying these principles. Take the hand of a recovered compulsive overeater and walk through these steps so that you no longer have to eat and, and the miracle is you will no longer want to eat. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Paula? <laughs> Thank you. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Now I'm going to go right to that top, that top line in those top four words. And it says, as we look back. And what does it go on to say? And you know, I, I'd like to say from the top, but really we're talking about reaching the bottom here. And it says, as we look back, we feel we have gone on drinking many years many years beyond the point where we could quit on our own willpower. But you know, I love this line. If anyone questions, still, still, you think they would put that for no reason? They put that because people are still questioning. I was still questioning whether he has entered this dangerous area. Honey, you are treaded on thin ice here. Lord knows it's going to break through at any time. Then it even gives you some example. Let me try. But, you know, I love this here. Let him try, not love it, but mm, lived it. How about that? Leaving liquor alone for one year. Now, then it goes on and it tells you, and I remember the success I would have. And it would take me, oh, six months perhaps to get that weight off. But I was going to get it off. I was determined at this point. And like it said, for a long time. I mean, for me, six months was an extremely long time. And I'd get the weight off. But then what does it say after that? For a considerable period, you and then it turns around and it consider and it was a considerable period for me. Oof! Wow, I will say. But that part, some will be drunk the day after making the resolutions, but more than drunk. You know that six months period to get where I wanted to be. It would take days to get where I was. Where I was, as I look back. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sarah. Can I share? Go ahead, Sarah. We think few to whom this book will appeal can stay dry anything like a year. Some will be drunk the day after making their resolutions, some of them within a few weeks. Um, I noticed that 
when we can't keep our word, we call it a resolution. And when we do, we call it a decision. And it says it in the in the doctor's opinion. Um, here, uh, we pass through a well-known... Um, after they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, they pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over, and unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his recovery. I've made so many resolutions in my life, and um, when I went through the steps, my sponsor had me make a list of, for step two, of um, all of the things that make that I'm powerless over was step one was not just food but all the bedevilments, the relationships, the the money, all the things that were um driving me to the food that was just a symptom and how they were making my life insane. And you know, I had to come to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. The food was just a symptom of my insane thinking. And yeah, I could put down the food I could put down the food. It was really shame that made me put down food because I didn't want to be embarrassed in front of other people thinking that I could at least make them think that I'm like a normal person, even if I knew in my own self that I wasn't. Um, it's Some will be drunk the day after making their resolutions. I've made so many resolutions in so many areas of my life. I'm going to be nicer to my children. I'm going to be, I'm not going to yell and scream. I'm not going to, I'm going to overcome my anger. I'm going to be more responsible with my money. I'm not going to spend it ridiculously on foods that I don't need and that nobody else does, but my just obsession of the mind just drives me to buy anyway, even if they're not necessary and will just make me sick. All of those things needed to have, I needed to make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him. And because on my own power, it's just, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It's a resolution year after year, New Year's, Thanksgiving, you know, Rosh Hashanah, the the new year and all the different times of the year where I'm making new resolutions or my guilt the next day, the next day, tomorrow's another day and next week, tomorrow's another, next week is another week. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen unless you pick up the spiritual toolkit and you trust and you reconcile that without a higher power, life is insane. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you very much. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Catherine. I'd just like to know what what page are you reading from? We are on page 34, the first paragraph at the top of the page. Sure, sure. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Yes, this is Catherine. Go ahead, Catherine. Yes, thank you. Yes, this is Catherine, recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. And yeah, I was struck by that sentence. Uh, some will be drunk the day after making their resolutions. Most of them within a few weeks. And I'm I'm sort of reflecting back on the on the the back of the book. We have the spiritual experience, the spiritual awakening, and you know. Um, 
this, there may be some confusion because some people believe you have that, that spiritual experience where all of a sudden you're struck abstinent. And it, from, for the majority of us, it doesn't happen that way. It's, it's an awakening. It's a day-by-day process. It's uh, turning our thoughts and our, uh, excuse me, turning our life and will over to the care of God is, is important, and realizing that turning our life over, turning um, our actions over to God is, is a one-time commitment, but daily we need to recommit our will, our thoughts, our mind. Every day we need to work with our mind and make a daily recommitment and pray to God for his, his blessings and assistance and to work the steps, taking action, and uh, on that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you very much. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Leah. Go ahead, Ms. Leah. Thank you. My name is Leah, and I'm a real compulsive overeater. If he is a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there is scant chance of success. Um, You know, they suggest here, this is a a self-diagnosis for the obsession of the mind. They're suggesting here, if anyone questions whether he has entered this dangerous area, let him try leaving liquor alone for one year. Um, You know, it was mentioned that uh, some of us can't, couldn't even do that for a year or a month or even a week as our disease progressed because eliminating my binge foods was merely a physical exercise, (laughs) Uh, you know, eliminating one's binge foods. I did that hundreds of times. I stopped hundreds of times. The question for a real compulsive overeater like me was, how do you stay stopped? My real problem, yes, I have an allergy of the body. That's true. I knew I was allergic to certain foods, and I should be able to not eat them. But that wasn't the greater aspect of my disease, my my worst problem is a mental problem. My problem is that I had a mind that told me to go back to eat those binge foods even though I had been away from them for a period of time. And that is the mental obsession, and that's what's being taught here, the mental obsession, that merely eliminating alcohol was not enough for an al- a real alcoholic, for a real alcoholic due to this strange mental twist that has been acquired. And what the steps do are take away that mental obsession and substitute for that mental obsession a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. That sense of harmony and unity with life that allows us to become sane again. And we no longer have that mental obsession because it's been expelled it's been driven out we no longer have that mental obsession that says to us you can pick it up now (laughs) you can you can have that first bite so um that's what is being taught here is that you know being being dry or being abstinent is merely physical what the big book teaches is that we have a spiritual malady a spiritual malady You know, I cannot transcend my intellect using my intellect. My intellect has to be fired, and it has to be replaced by a different guide. (laughs) And that guide is submission to God. And only when my intellect and my ego was dethroned through the process of these action steps, 
could God rule in my life? And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Thank you very much. Well, I think we will close here um, at this point in our reading. And I thank you to everyone who shared, to Irini and Margaret and Esther and Deb W. and Katie for being on my team this morning. And uh, we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Deb W., would you please read that for us? I'm sorry, it's Esther. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. Obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.